happens when you try to get away from all the industrialization around you and just get back to nature, and then you find out that where you've escaped to has been industrialized in the name of green energy. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're watching The Gun Show. Today, friends, I want to reintroduce you to someone who's been on the show before, but sadly not for a little while. His name is Marijn Poels. He's a Dutch filmmaker based in Germany, and he does a little bit of what we do here at Rebel News. He tells the other side of the story and follows the facts wherever they lead him. And what's interesting about Marijn is that he comes from the liberal left, but all he does is investigate what he's been told. He investigates the conventional thinking about the left's golden calves of green energy, biofuels, wind turbines. He even made a movie called Paradogma about what happens to you when you're on the left and you stray from their orthodox thinking. But back to the movie that we're going to talk about today. It's called Headwinds. And Marine made it in collaboration with Alexander Poole. The movie tells the story of Alexander, who himself was a green energy financier, who saw problems with the industry he was working so hard to grow, and so he wanted to get away from it. But he realized that even when he escaped all the way to the wilds of Sweden, the destruction of green energy had followed him there. So joining me tonight, from, get this, his treehouse in Germany, is my friend, Dutch filmmaker, Marijn Pools. Marijn, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a long time since I talked to you, um, but you're back and you're back with a new movie, but I, you might be because it's so long since I talked to you and that's my fault. Um, why don't you give people a brief um, introduction to yourself because um, you are a very experienced filmmaker. This is definitely not your, your first documentary. It's not your first documentary sort of on the topic of how there are two sides to combating climate change, but let's go back a little and tell everybody um, sort of where you come from. Mm, yeah. Well, I'm an uh, independent documentary uh, maker. Uh, I started in um, 2008 um, covering stories in mainly in development countries. And I made over 50 documentaries in these countries for TV, for NGOs, for, you know, people in the developing world. And, um, and after that, I stopped um, doing it because I, I was asking myself the question, you know, I can continue this until I'm 65, but you know, it doesn't help me any further. And I wanted to make a film which was completely independent. So I financed it by myself and I made a film about climate change, not about climate change. It was about agriculture, but you know, all these wind, film, wind farms were popping up at the meadows of the, of the farmers. So I needed to ask questions about these wind farms. And then you need to start questioning what is climate change? So you're, you know, you dig into the science and, and then, you know, a, quite an interesting story came out, uh, the uncertainty has settled. And then 
you know, I sort of rolled out of the old system. I lost my network because I made a film which was controversial and you shouldn't be allowed to make controversial films. So I was, uh, you know, they named me everything you can imagine. And um, after that, I start, you know, continuing this spirit of new stories of, you know, hey, there are two stories. Why are we not hearing them on the mainstream news? And I'm coming from the mainstream as well. So I asked that question as a liberal guy who just want to have a lot of perspectives to make up on my own mind. And, you know, since then, I made four other documentaries like a trilogy, The Uncertainty is Settled, about climate change, Paradigma, about, you know, the, the controversial debates we have. And, um, and then I made the Return to Eden about solutions. When we speak about, you know, the climatic instability, let's put it like that. And, um, you know, and I was on a, on a search for, a, for another story. Um, and then um, I remember it was uh, one year ago, September. And I, I was 20 minutes ahead of the premiere of Return to Eden. And uh, I got an email of Alexander Paul from Sweden. And I'm, I don't know why, but, you know, I read, the, I read the first three sentences and I just merely called him. And, um, you know, I made a story about it. So uh, I did again. And um, Headwind is the name. And it came out one and a half week ago. And basically it's a story about a former london banker alexander paul worked worked for you know the world's greenest bank uh, hsbc uh, he was idealistically driven uh, he financed big wind farms and solar farms convinced he was sort of saving the planet but he woke up to the fact that today's green is actually um, pitch black and a ego-driven corrupt and, and broken system so he gave up banking and moved with his family to a remote place uh, somewhere in the in the, in the northern Sweden forest, and his dream was to go back to nature, start an eco farm, and put as you know much as distance as he could between his family and the the um, as he said the industri industrialization of the nature. So until a wind park was planned at the gates of his paradise garden, uh, so it's kind of an ironic story, you see, and and he now is challenging these wind farms at court, three of them that these turbines are not saving anything and the construction companies are lying, cheating to the local community that this wind park is boosting economy, you know, but none of the workers' companies are actually from Sweden. They're all from Norway, Britain, Germany. So it's not boosting anything. So even the electricity produced of that wind park seems to go to a new Google data center in Finland, thousand kilometers away. And in this story, Alexander and I are sort of visiting stakeholders of wind farms and um, asking questions. You know, and for me as a rural person, as I was looking through the, like as I was watching your documentary and looking at the imagery, it feels very familiar to me. I know you spent some time in Calgary. I'm here in Northern Alberta and the landscape looks very <laughs> familiar to me as I saw that. And I thought, this is something that, we as rural people all across, I guess, the world, but particularly the Western world, we sort of prickle against all the time where you have a lot of people living downtown in urban centers, feeling bad about their lifestyle and their comfortable first world lifestyles. They feel as though they're destroying the planet. So they want green energy. 
they just don't understand what that means to the people who don't live in the city. And so to make a bunch of city people feel better, people like me have to live with these ugly, destructive wind turbines. And as is pointed out in, in your documentary, the footprint of a wind farm per the electricity or amount of energy produced is so much greater than a well-done compact fossil fuel project that in the end would be a lot cleaner because one of the things that I really enjoyed that you pointed out is the sort of supply chain attached to a wind turbine. You go through um, not only where you know the companies involved in building them and where the electricity goes. So th these poor people in Sweden have to have these ugly wind turbines so that the energy can get sold to Finland so that Google can meet its green energy targets for a data center. And I think that's that's a, a point we'll get to in a second. But you also go through how this is sort of, the supply chain of a wind turbine is an attack on human rights as well, from China to the Congo to the cobalt mines. Um, it's not just a human rights issue for the people who have to live underneath these things, but it's also a human rights crisis you know, just in the creation of them. Yeah, absolutely, you're right, and that's my worry as a you know left liberal. <laughs> I'm I'm I, I documented so many conflict areas in in um, in in the development world, and what you see is a lot of conflicts are based on upon oil. You know, the distribution of oil, the prices of oil. So this is a conflict, right? And and we we are starting to manage it better and better. Mm -hmm. Up on top of that, you know, we should not be in the illusion that we will get rid of oil because we need oil for centuries to come in a lot of products. So that the, these complex, these com, uh, complex conflicts stay. Um, but now, on top of that, we create new kind of conflicts, which are the mineral conflicts. You know, we got the cobalt of. 70% uh, of the world's supply of cobalt, uh, cobalt is, you can find them in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, you know, and that's that African country where there is a bloody conflict for generations. So we are continuing to doing that. When you talk about the minerals, the rare earth minerals, uh, over 70% coming from China, uh, with a lot of damage to the environment, social impact, it's poisoning the, the, um, the regions of, you know, refinement of the minerals. So we are creating double trouble by um, embracing that whole new renewable energy project, which is absolutely not benefiting climate whatsoever. It's, it's only, you know, it's only creating more energy and more conflicts. And um, so, so all the conflicts are getting more, much and more complex to solve um, and we had good systems we had a very good infrastructure and oil and mm -hmm. these kind of you know reliable on-demand sources of energy you know and i think when you want to flourish humanity you should give them cheap reliable on-demand energy which was oil and coal and of course there are problems uh, challenges uh, attached to oil and and coal but it still is the most safest and environmental friendly form of energy. You know, you should not drink a barrel of oil. You know, that's not what sure. we should do with oil. Then, then oil becomes bad. 
but when we treat it well and well managed um then you know the we have more time to figure out better ways of get rid of oil i think that's the the whole panic situation makes a lot of complex conflicts which we don't think about because we're in panic right it's crisis and we should uh, we should um do it as fast as possible it's it's five past uh, 12 what they say mm -hmm. but that the problem i have with 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 these kind of uh politics that it's a crisis and we we should solve it today is first of all when you call it a crisis uh, and governments call it a crisis <clears throat> then you take away the whole democratic fundament of society because in a crisis you don't you don't want to have a debate right when you when your village is on fire that's a crisis mm -hmm. and you don't want to debate within two weeks what are we going to do with that burning village no it should be it should be done today so you know the crisis management will um will take care of that so there is no democracy at that point and and has a has a good right but in terms of climate and renewables you know, to, to call it a, a, a crisis, you're sort of paralyzing humanity and paralyzing the democracy to have a rational de debate, uh, how we're going to fix it. And, um, you know, I think, I believe we're not in a crisis. We are uh, in a challenge, how we, you know, dealing with, with the planet and the climate and, and the environment. Uh, there are new techniques and we should develop them more and more. And by then we should, you know, develop our old infrastructure as well more and more more efficient more uh, climate neutral or friendly of environmental friendly so i think that's the the biggest problem i have with um you're disturbing a lot in society when you go to renewable energy and social impact human rights impact but also just the, the common sense yeah i, I mean the Governments end up when they call it a crisis, and when little Greta Thunberg, who I think she graduated high school by now, who knows, when she says that you know the world is on fire, governments move from being thoughtfully responsive to what they think is a challenge to reactive to a crisis, and I think that it takes the people out of the whole equation, the people who these policies affect, we don't become a consideration in it because as you say, they're trying to put out the fire in the burning village instead of building a fire break around the village so that the village can be a little more resilient. Uh, there are some things actually that I wrote down as I was watching your documentary because I thought what, what a, it's something I had never thought of and I sort of exist in this world of being critical of climate change policies. And, and that is when your, um, your co-filmmaker, Alexander Pohl, he said, the climate is not alive, nature <laughs> is. And I thought, yes, I've, I've never, I know that, I intrinsically know that, but the other side of the argument, they treat the climate as though it is this living, breathing organism that they can feed or starve based on their lifestyle. And that's mm. not, that's not how it should be. The trees are alive. The people are alive. We're all part of the ecosystem, but they are sort of throwing out the alive things to please this creature of climate. Yeah. Yeah. It's being kept alive by a lot of factors, 
including humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and climate is, so it's, he talked about the order of things, right? And, mm -hmm. and we are, we are always shouting that we are saving the climate, but that's, you know, it doesn't make sense. You know, we should save nature. And when we act as humans, as proper as we can in nature, then climate will be fine. You know, and this is the challenge. This is the top down thinking, right? And, and I don't, believe in top-down thinking I, I believe in you, you should, it should come from the bottom up it should come from within and all of these ingredients like from bottom up and from within are taken away by politics because politics is responsible for it and they will lead humanity into the right direction and they're shutting down democracy because they are the crisis management so you're you're taking away responsibility by people and then you take away that that living thing which can feed climate in a positive way or nature in a positive way and um and it should come from from the bottom up uh, it should you know farmers should be responsible for taking care of their land proper you know and government should support them it should not be the other way around now it's the other way around right and it's not so it's not complex. It's not, it's not difficult. You know, when you're, I mean, over 60% of the arable land is degrading in the world, right? And this is the biggest problem when we talk about climatic instability. When you, when you tell a farmer, you know, you know what, this is the problem. Your land is not healthy. Let's put it this way. When we, we want to have healthy land as government. So we will measure your land every half a year, the healthier your land, the less tax you pay. And I bet you within two years, it's fine, you know, because yeah. farmers are creative and they can do it, but, but they need to have responsibility because that responsibility of down to the, down on the level, that's the living thing. The climate is not alive. And that's, I guess, where Alexander was talking about that when we switch that and we give responsibility back to the people and treat our nature as we should do as humans, then climate will be fine. There was also a point at which in the movie, and I don't want to give away too much of the movie because I want people to watch it and you really should. And it, there's so much in there that I don't think I could ever give it all away anyway. Mm -hmm. But um, Alexander is talking to a lady who works in promoting wind energy to the communities. And he basically says to her, does anybody double check to make sure all the promises the wind companies are making happen for these communities? And she says, no. So her job is just to come in, make big promises to the communities and walk away. And whatever happens to the communities where these horrible wind farms are put, well, that's on them, I guess. Yeah, that, that's unfortunately, there's a truth in all these top-down models, um, mm -hmm. which is not saying that these people are bad. No. You know, we don't have enemies, we have systems. <laughs> and we should not forget that, that we have no enemies. and. But what you say is correct. It's, it's, you know, they're all part of a big puzzle, but they don't know how the puzzle should look. And when the puzzle is finished, then they look at a psychedelic artwork of, of dozens of, of wind farms standing there in our once beautiful landscapes, you know, but then it's too late, right? And this is the problem with all these NGOs. They're all doing fine. They're all fine people. They don't, they're doing good work. You know, they're all there with heart and soul, but they don't see that whole picture where they're in. 
So, and that's dangerous. So I think this, this was one of the revealing part for me as well, that, yeah, this could be a part of the problem that everybody is doing good, but don't have a clue how that large, big, complete puzzle look like. Yeah, that was my takeaway is she's well-meaning. She's a true believer in the cause, but she's just the, as long as she made sure that these, you know, communities had buy-in to the projects she wanted them to have, that's really all that mattered because she felt altruistic. But, hmm. but then she moves on to the next community and the next community and the community that before that deals with the fallout of the broken promises, the ruined landscape, the destructive, the destructive nature of just putting up a wind turbine, the supply chain problems. I mean, just the idea that there is so much of a tie to China when we think about just the massive push for green energy and wind turbines, and then China is really backstopping all of this with products. Um, I, it's really quite frightening knowing what we know now about um, you know, how China operates in the world, especially during the time of coronavirus. Uh, you think that we would sort of be detaching ourselves from Chinese supply chains, and yet we're going all in as long as it means that we're saving the world by getting the most expensive energy on the planet, by the way. Yeah, I think the whole COVID situation learned us how close we are with China, close mm -hmm. to China and where, where it's heading to. So, but what I, you know, why I made this film is that we are, we are so much focused on COVID and we should, right? Mm -hmm. We sure. should defend our rights, defend our, uh, our own body, um, responsibility of our body as well. But we should not forget that, you know, the whole co corona situation could be a shadow for the bees to continue to yep. build a new world. And the problem is that once we wake up, because, you know, the whole corona situation is sort of paralyzed uh, humanity and uh, um, the focus is only on COVID. But meanwhile, wind farms are popping up and it's business as usual you know and once we wake up in that whole corona dream we're standing there in these once beautiful landscapes filled with industrialization and we didn't realize you know we realized what happened so yeah. that's the reason i made this film to stay tuned stay stay awake uh, stay awake and and don't let yourself go down to the root of, you know, COVID is the only threat there is. There is, it could be used as a, as a big misty fog to do business as usual. And we are asleep. I think it's all part of the same problem. I think it is, goes back to your um, make everything a crisis, take the democracy out of the equation theory that COVID is the current crisis so instead of considering people's human rights and civil liberties, let's just do things to them on the pretense that we're going to save them from an impending doom that they aren't smart enough to realize is right around the corner. And I think climate change was the same thing. There's a crisis. The people aren't thinking our way and doing what we want them to do. So we'll do it for them. We'll bring in a carbon tax that makes food more expensive. We'll start growing biofuels and we'll incentivize farmers to grow them 
So what if there's no food, local food production anymore? We're saving the planet. People want green energy because fossil fuels, they tell us, are, are killing the planet. So we're going to put up wind turbines in their neighborhoods, whether they like it or not. I think it's all part of the same thing. And when mm. Corona resolves itself, because people eventually will leave the doomsday cult, I think, after 20 months of two weeks to flatten the curve, some people are going to come to their senses. And then there will be something else. Maybe it's climate change again. Maybe it'll be something else. But I think the natural inclination of governments is to subvert democracy by using a crisis. And that's, I think, the way it's always been. Yeah, and this is this is the thing, you know, the government is acting like crisis management. They should do to sort of manage the mass, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there should be some sort of um, um, direction. And a crisis can lead people to a direction very easy. That's That's soft power management what they call in the cognitive science and um in my opinion you know climate change was there they, they, it's being instrumental instrumentalized as a as a as a crisis to use it to control people it didn't work out the corona came up and they they hijacked corona the virus to say well this is a very good activator to you know to beat to beat the plan and um once Corona will be gone, you're already noticing that Greta is already connecting these two dots into each other, right? The Corona has to do with, with climate and climate with Corona. Um, in Europe, we have uh, the introduction of the Green Pass, which is the, you know, vaccination um, pass. You know, and, and nobody's asking, why is it called Green Pass? What, what does green has to do with Corona? Well, it's not about corona you know it's a it's a very good activator to introduce the, the the pass to use it not only for corona but everything will be on it your energy use how much did you went to the toilet today right oh you're not able to flush it because you already flushed it two times today so this is the thing right so corona is a very good activator for the managers on top to you know steer us into the direction they want so that's that's the thing why it's good to have these have this sort of awakening that we are um focusing on on climate change as well and not only on on corona and it's part of the you know the whole narrative right yes i believe in china they call that a social credit system and it's it been is. around for a while and so i i do i see the strong overlays i see you know when politicians are saying oh coronavirus lockdowns were good not because they slowed the spread of Corona, because I don't really think they did, but because look at the greenhouse gas emissions went down because everyone was locked in their home. Mm -hmm. And they see that as an opportunity, forcibly locking an innocent person in their home as though they are on house arrest for them makes perfect sense because they don't care about the person or nature. They only care about this greenhouse gas target. And uh, mm. you can see the the intersection of these two things coming together very quickly. And I think a lot of the freedoms we've given away, uh, we're going to have to fight to get them back because they're not going to come back very easily. Again, because the government is in a constant state of crisis management, as you point out. Absolutely. And, and that's why, you know, I, to be honest, I made this film for free. You know, everybody can watch it. Mm -hmm. I'm 100% fan funded, so I don't need subsidized. I don't 
need paywalls or whatever. I made this film available for everybody. So now we have a tool, right? Now we have a tool. People should please use the film to challenge project develop developers, investors, politicians, and, and others by asking them to, to demonstrate, you know, how their project is different. People should include local newspapers, radio station, and influence on their request. And I mean, let's be honest, you know, true and integral media has left this planet a long time ago. So yeah. what are we going to do about it? Well, we should take the power back. And people can post a story on the social, use this film as a tool um, to, to, you know, combat the, the, this, this kind of management. So I think this is the, the opportunity we have with, with a, in my opinion, a hero like Alexander Paul fighting mm -hmm. these wind parks. Me with, you know, the, the passion of making a film about it. You guys of, you know, pushing this story a little bit, you know, into the, into the public eye. And then it's all about the democracy again. We given the tools to the democracy to flourish again. And we have it, you know, so I think people underestimate the power of them uh, of themselves. But you know, one man can change the world, really, you see it on how rebel media started, you see it how I I've been started, you see it how Alexander Paul has been started, true. all single persons. And the, and the only thing we need to do is connect the dots and fight on a very integer, peaceful and smart way, just how they do it. And yeah, we it have the tool now. It's it's strange that just telling the truth now is an act of rebellion and bravery mm. <laughs> against the yeah. powers that be. And, you know, that's what, one of the things I wanted to touch on before I let you go. Um, one of, as you were sort of examining, you and Alexander were examining the money behind the wind farm that was going up in his neighborhood and how these things are really designed to take a loss uh, and the electricity being generated wasn't for Sweden. Sweden doesn't need it. Sweden has already, in fact, met its green energy targets because so much of their electricity is actually green because it's hydroelectricity. Mm -hmm. The electricity being generated in this wind farm is being sold to Finland for Google, for a massive data center for Google, which... Uh, it, you could argue controls a vast swath of the world. If you control the information, you sort of control the people, you control how they interact. And that's where this is going. So when people think, well, I don't have a wind farm in my neighborhood, it doesn't affect me. When it affects how you consume data and the data that you can, that you're allowed to see, um, it does affect you. And I think that's one of the reasons why Google, I would I I suspect is censoring people's ability to find your movie on YouTube. So please tell people how they can find it. And uh, more importantly, support the very important work that you do, because again, you are not investor funded. You're not government funded. You are fan funded, crowd funded, just like we are are here at Rebel News. And I think that's the most democratic way to do it because you know instantly when you get something wrong, the people let you know right away. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm walking a very thin line, so I, I, I should be careful. But what you say is true, you know, and imagine the fact that we are, when we talk about development counties, right? They could use a bit of electricity. Sure. And when we really want to help the world 
to make this planet a little bit a better place, we should not give that electricity to Google. We should give it to Africa, you know, and people were very different in reaction, I guess, when you say, you know, this is a big wind farm, but all the electricity is going to Burundi, you know, because nobody has electricity there, but no, instead okay. it's going to yeah. Google to finance new electricity, new needs, and addict us even more to, to mainstream social platforms. Um, as a matter of fact, what you're talking about that, you know, we're being censored more and more and more. So I think this is a, a very, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a rape of nature as a rape of humanity. It's, it's a rape of everything, actually, that whole renewable project. So how do people support you? Because you are crowdfunded. Um, mm -hmm. You're not taking any money from anybody and you are actively, I suspect you're, I'm saying it, not you censored by Google because I deal with Google censorship every day. There's a list of things we can and can't say about certain topics um, they, if you talk about climate change, you are not easily discoverable in the algorithm. So how do people support Marian Pools and his work? Well, mainly they go to marianpools.com and there you find a support button and they click around and they find their ways how to support me. Um, and that's it actually. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, what you said, I'm, I'm being censored and you feel it. Uh, everywhere and you see it actually as well it's it's quite open that you're being censored but hey and on the other side I'm, I'm you know i'm still alive i'm still there and i still continue i will continue and you know the more people will fund me the stronger i will be to you know beat the censorship and find other ways to um to get the story out there and it's certainly it's a it's a well it's a hard time it's 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 a it's an interesting time, I must say, as an artist, you know, because I am an artist. Um, it's a very interesting time what's happening. And I'm very glad that I'm alive in this kind of era um, to work with these topics um, and to find a way on a, a bit of a smart way, I hope, to a non-violence way to break, break that solid fundament of the old system mm -hmm. and try to reinvent a kind of a new system uh and this is a kind of an organic process you know so it, it's and that's the most interesting part, part that you work on the people that the feelings the gut feelings there is you try to dig in stories you reveal truth and you know from there out it's it's only light what can shine you know, and, and I'm, I'm very hopeful that we will, because I don't believe that the world has changed too much. You know, no. the world is the same as 200 years back. There were managers as well. There were kings, brutal kings, but now it's become visible. And this is the most beautiful thing. And that, that Corona had did that, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you meet someone on the street and you give him a hand and he's, he's not taking your hand, you know, exactly. Okay right it's quite mm -hmm. visible that that parallel society it was always be there but now it's quite visible and you can work on it um so for me that that's so hopeful that i'm being funded by people i don't have an agenda the only agenda i have is to inform people in order that they could think for themselves you know that's my agenda and 
people are supporting me. It's like, you know, you can go to a, food, a soccer match, right? And when you go to a soccer match in Europe, you pay 80, 90 euro to you know, be in a stadium. Uh, when you're a poor guy, you will not allow to go into. When you go to, um, to, to um, biking, right? Um, you, can, you can be there as a homeless guy along the streets and enjoy biking seeing biking right so you don't have to pay but other people pay for the event and that's the sort of system i'm in right now so i'm doing it for everybody and those who can please support me and those who don't have any money don't bother just watch my movie and you know there will be a, a time that you can fund me or or not it doesn't matter and and this is the this is such a strong system which cannot die yeah, I mean the people who who can't who can't chip in, they chip in in their own way by taking the message and spreading the information um, when they take those arguments out into the world. And you are right; it is a it's a strange time to be mm. in media, or your case a, as a film creator. You do make some enemies. One, some of them are powerful, you know. Mm. Um, but for every one enemy you make, I think you find two new allies. I mean, look at you, you're from the left. <laughs> We're yeah. not even supposed to be talking. And, no. uh, and we have so many common interests and, and primarily the greatest interest is telling the truth and making sure that people have the information they need to make decisions for themselves without the government making those decisions for them. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, you know, there is, what I'm keep repeating is we don't have enemies. We have systems, right? Yeah. And these systems are creating enemies of us, out of us. You know, when you talk about the left and the right, you know, I know where you, where you're going to. That's you know, we're not supposed to talk to each other because we should be, uh, you know, Fighting. against each other. But we should not trap in that, in 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 that hole because. We are so much the same, actually, and mm -hmm. we have the same interests. We all, you know, want to want to leave this planet a bit bit better as how we found it, right? That's our main common interest. And the roads are might be different, but the horizon is the same. And we should not be played out by those people who want to play us out. And of course, I have, you know, people see me as enemy, but I don't have enemies. Um, these people who are saying that they're my enemy, they're in the, in the wrong system, which I don't like, and I'm trying to break it, but they are not enemies for me. So that's the way how you can survive. And um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very interesting uh, how uh, to see how this is developing, um, but you know, it's unstoppable. It truly is because it's powered by the people. Um, and if anything, over the last, 20 or so months of coronavirus, I think the old dynamics between left and right have sort of fallen apart. And now it is yeah. people who want to be left alone and people who won't leave them alone. <laughs> I, think, I think that's where we're at now. Um, people who want to live their lives their own way and people who want to control the other people who just want to be left alone. I think that's the new political dynamic in the world right now. Um, Ryan, Ryan, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> mm, I know. Yes, we should be neighbors, actually. I know. Well, and it's funny because I I see the uh, the logs in the background, and I think that is exactly like my home. So it's funny how you can 
um, find these uh, allies with people who are on the other side of the planet. Again, that was one of the takeaways from watching your movie is Northern Sweden infected by those wind turbines that could be my neighborhood and i think a lot of people watching your movie will feel the same way um i hope that and i will include a link to your movie in the show notes today um i want to thank you very much for coming on the show i will not leave it as long before we have you on the show again next time and i'm sure um you'll you'll be working on something very important very very soon absolutely thank you so much uh You know, Marine is so right, whether it's climate change or COVID. Some people out there are trying to control us by dividing us. They're telling us what to think, how to act, and who we can talk to. Because by keeping us apart, they keep us weaker and more easy to control. So don't listen to the government. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. And have conversations the government and these power brokers don't want you to have. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.